0: It's time for Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Doug is a certified financial planner providing you with a personal financial hotline to answer your questions about tax planning, investments, retirement planning, estate planning, and education planning. Doug and Linda are the owners of Lewis Financial Management, a registered investment advisory firm in Raleigh, providing financial and investment services since 1983. Doug and Linda will be answering your questions on WPTF's phone lines anytime during the next hour. Call 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Call toll-free 1-800-662-7979. And for mobile phones, it's Star 680. And now, Doug and Linda Lewis and Money Matters. Hello there, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters with Doug and Linda has been providing you with a personal financial hotline, for all of your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 20 years. And again, with me as usual tonight is my wife Linda, who works with me in our firm, Lewis Financial Management.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. Doug and I are the owners of Lewis Financial Management, a registered investment advisory firm in Raleigh, providing investment in financial advice since 1983.
0: For over 20 years, we've been answering your questions on the WPTF phone lines. They are your
1: questions and our answers. So sit back and enjoy, or if you're free, call us tonight on the open lines. We'll take your calls anytime during the next hour. You're free to call in and ask any financial question about your own personal financial planning. Call us at 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Or you can call us toll-free long distance at 1-800-662-7979.
0: Well, financial planning is everyone's business and still for most folks, money matters are just a big puzzle. Folks have questions about planning for retirement, planning for a child's college education. They don't know the difference between financial planning and money management. They want to know a lot these days. They want to know what's a mutual fund, what's a limited partnership, what's a REIT. What's a will? What's a living will? And yes, it really can confuse you, but you're not alone. Because in a world crowded with new investments, changing tax laws, rapidly evolving insurance products, and volatile economic cycles, more and more people are looking for clear direction in their financial lives. And yet, unfortunately, the busier and the more successful they are, the less time they have to sort out their financial affairs, and people are asking, is there any solution?
1: Well, yes, Doug, there certainly is a solution. Out of this increasingly complicated financial environment has come a new breed of professionals that are trying to solve people's money puzzles, and that's the Certified Financial Planner.
0: It's the Certified Financial Planner who offers something that people don't get from the traditional stockbroker, money manager, accountant, insurance agent, or bank trust officer. And that's a way to consolidate all aspects of people's financial affairs into one financial plan. It's the Certified Financial Planner who knows how to pull together all six areas of a client's financial life.
1: Doug, I think for many people, the first area of financial planning is cash flow planning with questions about their emergency fund, their mortgage, their credit cards, and reducing their debt.
0: Well, yes, Linda, and yet for many people, the second area of financial planning is retirement planning. Those who are working want to know how to compute what they'll need to live on during retirement and how much they should be saving for retirement. They want to know what investments they should choose from the choices in their company's 401k plan. Others are retiring and have received a lump sum payout option from their company's retirement plan, and they want to know, should they take it, and if so, how should they invest it?
1: Well, Doug, the third area of financial planning that must be dealt with is estate planning. For most people, over their working years, their estate has grown. How can they reduce their estate taxes? And they wonder, are their simple wills sufficient, or maybe they should be considering the complicated world of trusts.
0: If that's the third area, Linda, the fourth area of financial planning cannot be overlooked. This is tax planning. People are interested in both tax reduction strategies and tax reduction investments, home mortgage interest, Charitable giving, tax shelters, tax-free bonds, questions about capital gains taxes, estate taxes, gift taxes, and how to sell real estate tax-free using trusts. What a confusion.
1: Well, Doug, we can't forget the fifth area of financial planning, which is insurance planning. How much life insurance does a family really need? Do they have too little insurance or maybe too much insurance? Should they have whole life, term, or universal Should they have long-term nursing care coverage?
0: You're right, Lynn. And, of course, the sixth and most important area of financial planning is investment planning. Here, the questions never stop. What's the best way to diversify my investments? Is now a safe time to invest in stocks? What about bonds? What kind of stock mutual funds? Bond mutual funds? Equipment leasing partnerships? REITs? CDs? Gold? Annuities?
1: So, Doug, it seems that at last it's time for people to understand that a certified financial planner is really the only one who can tie together all six parts of their financial puzzle. And to you out there listening, if you've got a question on your mind about cash flow planning, retirement planning, estate planning tax planning, insurance, or investments, call us now on the open lines and we'll answer your financial planning questions. Those numbers to call are 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Out-of-towners, call us toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And if you just want to sit back and listen to the callers through the years, welcome to the show. Welcome, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us at a different time, <laughs> at <laughs> an earlier a time. time today. <laughs> uh,
0: let me let me throw in our little uh, investments offered through HBEC Inc., Investment Advice through Lewis Financial Management. HBEC Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not affiliated entities. Well, yes, Linda, we're here, different time.
1: Yes, we are, and happy Labor Day weekend to everybody out there, and Hope you're having uh, a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend, and really enjoying this wonderful weather that we're having
0: Isn't it here wonderful? in the
1: Carolinas. Well, Doug, so much has been happening in the last two weeks.
0: Wow. It really has. Incredible things. It really has.
1: Life-changing, historical. And market hearts.
0: changes. Exactly. Uh, life changes. Boy, when you sit back and look at the last couple of weeks, you're going to see uh, earthquake, earthquake hurricane floods floods, uh, and crazy markets
1: and our hearts still go out to all of you folks that have suffered some loss either loss of life or family members or loss of your homes and all our folks out on the coast that are recovering from the flooding and the uh, the hurricane uh, we think of you much in our hearts So thank you for joining us once again on Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. And if you're out there driving around in your car, you can call us on the open lines at 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. If you're out of town, it is toll free at 1-800-662-7979. And if you happen to be by your computer, you can even catch us on WPTF.com. And uh, we are live streaming right now if you happen to be on your computer. Well, Doug, what's new in the world of investment planning well, as, I think, as the markets have gone up and down? Yeah,
0: Lynn, I, I guess I think everybody is trying to figure out what do you do? What do you do now? How do you build a proper investment portfolio when when, when these kinds of, of huge volatile changes are occurring? It was only a couple of weeks ago when... Uh, people were calling our office. They were panicked and everything. What should we do? Should we go ahead and pull everything out? And then lo and behold, the next couple of days, things are going up. And now Market people are in. End, up and, yeah. and, down. Yeah, and, and so the question again comes, uh, what should I do? Well, I think the first thing to realize is doing nothing can be the worst mistake. To do nothing and just sit on the sidelines is what happened to so many people after the 2008 uh, big smash to the markets? They, they, uh, you know, they just panicked, moved everything over to cash, and many of them sat there for a year or two. Actually, some are still there, but they totally missed what happened to the mutual funds that they came out of in the year 2009, which followed 2009. Many funds were up over 20 percent. Uh, and in 2010, again, many of those same funds were up over 20%. So, so the the knee-jerk reaction of do nothing, just run, is fine if you are a trader, T-R-A-D-E-R, not a trader. If you're a trader, that's fine to play, play play it that way, but that's not financial planning. Financial planning is planning. And you must have a plan and you must stick to it. But then the question comes, well, all right, what is the safest way to build my portfolio now if it's not built, to rebuild it? Uh, If I want to stay invested, which I'm now convinced I should be, what's the best way? And I'm going to say the best way is to go ahead and look for cash. What I mean by that is look for funds who are producing high dividends now there are funds that are designed to actually invest in dividend yield or to say it another way invest in companies that are very profitable so there are there are a lot of companies out there that are very profitable they've built up cash they've got excess cash uh, they're producing dividends for their stockholders well, if you're looking for mutual funds that have a high dividend yield, then you're probably the sa- that's probably the safest place to go ahead and stay invested in the stock market.
1: So, Doug, uh, explain for our listeners what you mean by a high dividend yield. What does that mean?
0: Okay. Well, when we think of a yield, we generally think of something that's uh, coming off of a CD. You know, I like to talk about investments as being chickens because chickens give off eggs and we can compare the yield to the eggs or the interest on a CD or any of the income. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when we go over to stocks, we don't find the same numbers as we do generally in bonds or CDs and so on. So we have to understand a high yield on a bond would be a dividend maybe at 7%, 8%. High-yield bond funds are sometimes paying over 8% now, 7% and so on. If we go to stocks, however, we're not going to find those kinds of dividend yields. So a high yield on a stock might be 2%, 3%. And those mutual funds that have those kinds of stocks in them will give a mutual fund yield of maybe three percent three point eight two percent 2 point eight numbers like that are very attractive places to be invested still in the stock market but with the safety of uh, realizing that the managers of your fund are selecting companies that are profitable the general case for dividend stocks is strong I uh, there was an article that said for an investor willing to hold stocks for five or 10 years, the 2.3% dividend yield is tantalizing. Now, that was the word that uh, uh, that was in that particular article. So that's not saying that you're happy to get 2% growth on your money. That's 2% yield off of the stocks in the fund. But the reason you're in the fund is not because of the yield. The reason in the fund is because you, you want your money to grow. If you compare it to a CD that has a 2% yield, you put in $100,000 in a CD, you get 2% interest, and then three years later, you get your $100,000 back, your chickens didn't grow, you just got eggs.
1: So that's a key feature. You want it to grow.
0: If you're in a stock mutual fund, you're there because you want it to grow. Right. Right. If you are in something other than that, then you have a different objective. So if you're trying to make your money grow, then you want to be in stock mutual funds. And the safest place to be in stock mutual funds is mutual funds who have stocks in them that are giving off a high dividend yield because that means they are profitable. And you're investing in a manager who is selecting profitable companies. So now you might say, well, if the yield is 2%, then what would I expect to get on my growth? And that is called total return. The total return on the fund, you would hope to get, I don't know, 7%, 8%, 9%, whatever that you're looking for, you then look and see, how did this fund do over the last 10 years or 15 years with the dividend and the growth? What has it equated to? And then you get a comfortable feeling of this is how much the money grew in the hands of these managers over those years. That's what I'm willing to go ahead and try and get in the future. And the way I'm trying to get it is by choosing funds that have a high dividend yield, because at least I'm playing safer than if I were in funds that don't have yields. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does make sense. Um, and typically, when when folks are are wanting to build their portfolio, they want that growth. They, yes, they're not looking to get um a lot of money in a short amount of time.
0: That's right. That's called speculation. That's trading. On the other hand, the definition of stocks are indeed. Investments that have risks, and the mutual fund that has a bunch of stocks in them is a risk container, yes. But companies that pay dividends over the last 14 months, the 25 companies that paid the most dividends as a percentage of their market value, they actually beat the S&P 500 by almost 9%, while the 25 companies that increased their cash and their balance sheets did about eight percent so this type of statistic is starting to come out what companies are building up their cash and what companies are profitable and paying out dividends and that's my advice on how to go ahead and look at building your portfolio with stock mutual funds without uh fleeing and also without being a speculator
1: well doug let me just ask one question um you know, you've heard a lot in the, in the media about ETFs. What about them?
0: Well, ETFs, in my opinion, are uh, very risky. There's no way to actually look at an ETF the way you look at a mutual fund because the manager is not actively managing. Now the mutual fund is trading itself like a, like a stock, like an individual stock. So it's going to be whipsawed. It's going to be going up and down with the market.
1: That's an exchange traded fund. It's an right? exchange
0: traded fund. That's what the ETFs are. I don't like the ETFs because I don't like not being able to analyze the success of the manager. As soon as we're back to riding the stock market's up and downs, then we have no way to to uh, to plan or to evaluate the historical success of the manager and that's what i prefer doing looking at the success of the manager what's his track record or her track record and then having some comfort of what i can expect in the future even so with no guarantees
1: and then uh, there again you were saying um about trading you shouldn't it don't try to do it yourself
0: you need to identify yourself either as a trader linda or as a planner. In other words, if you like the thrill of the kill, if you like the sizzle and the excitement of trying to go ahead and buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high, it's sort of like the thrill of going to Las Vegas. Then you are a trader and that's what you want to do. And you ought to find the cheapest way to do it and accept the fact that you'll probably lose money, but you'll have a lot of fun losing the money if that's your enjoyment. That's a trader. That's a person who who daily is watching the market. On the other hand, if you're a planner or if you're a client who's trying to plan your future for retirement or you're in retirement, then you want to ignore that entire trading sizzle that's coming across your television. You know, I used to say that the best financial planning tool in the early 90s when we opened up our radio show was a pair of scissors that you could cut your credit card in half with. Now I think the best the best planning tool that you can use are the two fingers on your right hand to turn off that television. <laughs>
1: because yeah, the media'll make you uh, mad. Oh,
0: it'll make you think like you know when the market goes down two hundred points, you're like gonna crazy. think, "Gee, my mutual funds just dropped two hundred points," which they did not. Generally, they don't have anything to do with that. That's not at all any. There's no relationship between the market and what happened. To your mutual funds values.
1: If you have any questions about your portfolio or what you're doing in your retirement or are planning for retirement, call us. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio six eighty WPTF, and call us on the open lines at eight six zero WPTF. That's eight six zero. 9783, and if you're out of town, it is toll-free, eight hundred six six two 662 All right, Doug, let's take another call.
0: How can I help you, Max? This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
2: Uh, good evening, Doug. Uh, I'm a small uh, sole proprietorship. We're trying to increase uh, our possible cash flow with a loan, and with that loan, we're
0: trying to figure out the best place to invest it so that we've got uh the ability to make more sales uh buy more capital equipment and the usual. how much are you how much are you wanting to how much are you going to be borrowing uh 300,000 you're going to borrow $300,000 mm-hmm. and you want to go ahead and establish i guess a revolving credit line against it is that what you're thinking uh that's one of the options that i was thinking about uh what do you see as the maximum amount that you will need out at any one moment probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 155 to 175 all right, I'll tell you what you can do, and this and I'm not going to recommend this on the air, but I'll give it to you as a strategy, and if you'd like to call my office to set up an appointment, I'll actually get the real specifics from you, and then I can make a real recommendation, but okay, just sure. generically, you could do this. You could go ahead and structure a mutual fund portfolio balanced with uh, balanced funds, asset allocation funds, short-term bond funds, intermediate-term bond funds, but you could go ahead and get a portfolio designed... That we could comfortably feel is not going to suffer any major disaster. Right. Now, number two, you can put that into margin, a margin account. Okay. Where you actually are able to borrow against yourself. Oh, okay. And you can then, but you can, you're limited to 50%. So you could have outstanding at any one moment, you could write a check of $150,000 against that at any moment and not be forced to sell any of your mutual funds. So let's say you needed to take out twenty-five or $50,000. You'd write a check against it. You're basically leaving your own mutual funds as collateral against your loan. But you're not going through a bank. You're doing it against yourself. There's no credit approval. There's no, no loan application. It's your own money. But you don't have to liquidate or surrender your investments. Uh, and then as your money came back, you'd dump it right back. You'd pay back your own loan against yourself, but your investments had never been changed.
2: Uh, any tax consequences?
0: Uh, there would be tax consequences on... No. No. As a matter of fact, you, you wouldn't be liquidating. Okay. So there's no tax consequence. As a matter of fact, there'd be some tax benefits to you. It'd be investment income. I mean, investment interest expense. Okay. But no, I would say uh, you could get out of the tax arena there because there'd be no liquidations, therefore no capital gains to worry about. That's a bonus. Okay. Fantastic, and I'll give you a call.
1: That number to call in Raleigh, Max, is eight seven two seven thousand.
2: Okay. eight seven two
1: seven thousand. That's USA-7000. And thanks for calling.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Hi there. Welcome to the show. This is Linda Lewis. Doug Lewis, how can we help you this evening? Bella, are you there?
2: <laughs> that is Bella from Bahama.
1: Hi. Welcome, Be- Bella.
2: Thank you. I have a question. All right. See, we have three children. Yes. Yes. And I was thinking, what if we put everything on their name and our name, so everything would be owned by four people. So when we pass away, there would be no probate,
0: nothing. Well, probate would be avoided. You're exactly correct. But probate is the cost of the attorney in settling the estate. The, on the other hand, how much are the total assets? I think you're trying to deal with the question of taxes, are you not?
2: Well, taxes and whatever, you know, they would have to pay.
0: All right. Well, uh, they, will, they will pay different types of things. First of all, how much is the entire estate?
2: Close to a million.
0: All right. So there's a million-dollar estate. Yes. And what's it composed of, Bella?
2: Well, about half a million annuity, and then uh, where we have some savings, you know, a couple thousand here and there, and then our house.
0: And, all right, well, the first thing is that the house, if you transfer it into their name now, yeah. then you are giving it to them. No, but it would be
2: our name, too. Mm. So it would be our four names.
0: Well, then you haven't transferred it to their name. In other words, if you transfer it to them, you're going to either give it to them or not give it to them.
2: But what if there are four owners of everything?
0: Well, even so, the, the, the basis, the tax basis is given. If they inherit it, then the basis goes up to current value. And they can sell it tax-free. But if you give it to them while you're alive, you're giving them the basis. So, as an example, let's say that you paid $100,000 for your house. Yes. And it's now worth 500000 Yeah. If you keep it in your name and they inherit it, then they can sell it the day after you die and have no tax because it's now free of all capital gains taxes because the basis went up to the value at death. Yes. Yes. But if you give it to them now, you gave them a $500,000 asset, you gave them a $100,000 basis, and then when you die and they sell it, they pay tax on $400,000 of capital gains. See, but
2: I thought if it was on four names.
0: Doesn't matter. They'll just divide it between the four of them. Oh, it, it's the same thing. If you give it to them now, you're giving one-fourth. You're giving each of them a $25,000 basis, and you're giving them $125,000 of value. And if you die, they will pay tax, capital gains tax, on $100,000, which is about $20,000 of taxes each. Uh Uh-oh. Now, and it gets worse on the annuity. Yeah. The annuity when you die, has no step-up in basis at all. It's taxed as ordinary income. Right. So uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. If you're trying to soften the entire taxable event, yes. and at the same time, you know, the estate taxes are $5 million. Hold on one second. Let me just announce that this is WPTF 680 AM.
1: Raleigh.
0: Raleigh, North Carolina. All right, I had to make that ID call. Okay, now, if you're trying to – you you know that you can leave the first $5 million tax-free of estate taxes. Did you know that? No, I did not. Okay. There are three different kinds of taxes, Bella. When a person dies, there are estate taxes due to the IRS and due to North Carolina for passing the estate – that's called a transfer tax and that transfer that's the tax on transferring something. Yes. Right now the first 5 million is transferred tax free at death. And by the way is your wife still alive? Yes sir. Oh well you can leave her everything. There is no tax at all when it goes to the wife. Okay. So that's the first thing. But then there is also this thing called the capital gains tax that I just described to you. And that's the profit on selling something between the basis and the sale price. Uh-huh. Just giving that away to somebody, you give them the basis and you give them the value and they pay the capital gains just as if you paid it. Well, I- so, so that's a second tax problem that we have to look at. The third tax problem is the category of income or the category of the asset at the time of death. And most things, let's say a mutual fund. If you had $500,000 in a mutual fund instead of $500,000 in an annuity, and if you owned it at death, no matter what you paid for it, your children, when they inherit it, would pay no tax at all if they sell it. But the annuity is different. The annuity, they will pay tax on the annuity, just as if it was ordinary income they might have to pay $200,000 in taxes it depends good. so i do not think an annuity it may not be the best investment for you now while you are alive by the way how's your health excellent excellent oh, okay you, right. right. good you're not <laughs>
1: you're
0: not going to die this year are you No, no, All right, well, that's good. I'm really glad to hear that. My
2: parents, they were in their late 90s.
0: All right, so you're talking about maybe another 25 years, maybe another 20 years of your life. I should hope so. All right, how about your wife? How is her health? Excellent. All right, and how old is she?
2: Uh, 71.
0: Okay, so I think you might want to call my office and make an appointment to schedule and meet with us and we will go over what might be a better way to have your investment portfolio now for your needs, as well as planning for the tax problems or avoidance of tax problems at death. Yeah. My yeah. office number, Linda, give him our office number.
1: Bella, our office number is nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. That's USA 7000.
2: Well, sir, thank you very much.
0: You You're welcome, here. Bella.
1: Okay, thank you very much, Bella. Bella, where are you from?
2: And I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Bye.
1: Okay, take care. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. And we're enjoying our callers this evening. So if you've got a question about your investments, your estate planning, retirement planning, or insurance, Call us on the open lines at eight six zero WptF. that's eight six zero nine seven eight three out of towners, it is toll free. one eight hundred six six two seven nine seven nine.
0: You know, Lynn, if you just consider the topics that we've t- we've hit so far this evening with Max calling about how to borrow money for this uh, for his business and how to use his own mutual fund portfolio as his own bank using margin with, uh, with Bella calling about how to avoid the different kinds of taxes that are out there upon death and how to deal with financial security during his lifetime. There are a number of items that people don't realize are crucial to the entire financial planning process and financial planning has to be seen as a total process. If it's not seen as a total process, it's very close to that matter of speculation that we talked about before. If you just look at the investment side of a client, you're missing the whole ability to plan for the future because life has changes.
1: Life has changes, and sometimes, as you as you uh, spoke so well in in answering Bella's questions. About the different types of uh, vehicles that he has in his portfolio, that sometimes taxes can be very high. Oh, and you you can. You you don't do proper planning. That's right?
0: right. Not many people realize that an annuity that has not been annuitized is going to be taxed as ordinary income. If it were taxed as capital gain and you hold it until you die, then you can leave it to your heirs tax free. But not so with an annuity. And not many people are told that when they're sold annuities. So bottom line is, look at the entire financial planning world when you're looking at your world. Don't just look at, you know, my investments. Your investments are crucial, but there's a lot more that you need to be careful of.
1: It'd be interesting to find out. One of the questions we didn't ask him was, is has he started annuitizing that annuity.
0: I don't think he has the way he described it.
1: Yeah, right.
0: If he has, then he can't give it away.
1: That's true. All right, Doug. Uh, there was another interesting article in the Wall Street Journal about the bond market bubble. What do you have to say about that, Doug?
0: Well, of course, we've been talking about the bond bubble for that's coming for some time. I. And then people are saying, well, gee, it never happened in everything. People are saying, well, I was spooked by stocks and unfazed by the recent downgrade of the U.S. debt with S&P. And so moving over to treasuries is fine. But the question is, whatever happened to that fear of a bond market bubble? Well, logic says it has to be coming bond bears are saying that the latest rally is setting up the bond market for an even bigger crash once interest rates start to rise. I know some say, well, that's a false alarm. The warnings have remained the same for months. The bond market still hasn't collapsed. But on the other hand, even since the Federal Reserve has says they plan to keep rates low for another two years, et cetera, et cetera, if you just think about corporations – that need to borrow money and want to borrow money by issuing bonds, they're going to have to go ahead and give some decent interest rate or nobody's going to buy their bonds.
1: That is true. And
0: when you start raising interest rates to borrow money from the public, whether you're General Electric or IBM, then lo and behold, other companies that are issuing bonds are going to have to do the same, and there can be a very big bond market bubble again.
1: That's a big so, ripple effect. So, uh,
0: you know, for bond investors, the damage could come in two waves. First, the near term, if rates rise, to reflect positive economic growth. And again, in the longer term, as interest rates climb again, if rates rise and then bondholders are forced to sell their bonds for less than they paid for them, than what they're worth today, then it's going to create more sales and it's going to be the same thing. So... Uh, People generally say, well, aren't longer term bonds the most safe? Actually, no. Longer term bonds are the most vulnerable because the longer the investor has to wait for his bond to mature, the greater is the chance that an increase in rates could diminish the value of that bond and that fund that holds those bonds. So I'm saying don't be fooled by thinking the bond market bubble isn't coming. It is coming we just don't know when
1: you're listening to money matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF and uh, you can call us right now with your questions on the open lines at 860 WPTF that's 8609783 out of towners it is toll free at 6627979 visit our website at lfmadvisor.com And you can catch us, if you're on your computer at the time, you can log on to WPTF.com, and you can catch us live stream as we speak. And you you know, Doug, it's interesting, Uh, we're getting ready for another big race, (laughs) and um, people in a race want to make it to the goal.
0: Right. What's the goal? Financial independence.
1: Exactly. And so the thing that people don't always think about with regard to financial planning is what am I really doing to help myself reach my goals? We'll talk more about that. Let's go to the next thing. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis, and we're going to take a caller right now.
0: Go ahead, Jerry. How can I help you? Doug Lewis. Yes, thank you. Uh,
1: uh, my daughter uh, blessed me with my uh, first grandchild six months ago.
0: Mazotas, thank you. <laughs> That's congratulations.
1: Yes, um, and uh, consequently, I'm uh, thinking of uh, of my will, uh-huh. with regard to a will, and uh, I was wondering, uh, are lawyers sufficiently uh, conversant with the matters that uh, you engage in to uh, be trusted, or should I see a financial first?
0: That's a very good question. I'm glad that somebody finally asked that. No, they are not. We are not what they call a board certified state. Some states, they're board certified where they have to declare what they're specialist in. But no, attorneys are not versed in these. Some are and some aren't. You should be working with a certified financial planner who can work in tandem with the attorney, even help find the attorney so he can set up the strategy and the attorney can do the legal work. That's a very good question, Jerry.
1: Uh, general reference to assets property and such in a will is not sufficient from in your opinion
0: general reference you mean for an attorney to know
1: well merely to refer in in the matter of disposing of one's estate uh,
0: you want to go through the numbers i see in other words it's got to be numerically worked out and that's where the attorney generally is not going to he's not going to have that or whatever Jerry, if you will call me at my office, I'd love to talk this more with you because this is a very touchy matter, and and it's one that's very dear to my heart because people get messed up real bad in this area. My number is eight seven You're right. Uh, Gifting strategies and working with a proper attorney are crucial. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening. You know, Linda, wow. I wish I hadn't let Jerry. Jerry, if you're listening to me, call me back right away. There's a little more I need to say here. Uh, first of all, yeah, what he asked was general is not enough for the attorney. That is correct. And yet what I said to him is you need to look at the numbers first. So here's the proper sequence. I hope I didn't let Jerry think that the attorney should have listing in your will all the specific assets that's not correct you don't list all of your mutual funds all of your individual assets in a will but on the other hand what i meant and what i what is crucial is somebody has to look at all those numbers ahead of time look at each of the assets and that's what the financial planner needs to do he needs to go through all of the individual assets such as whether there's an annuity or not an annuity, uh, what kind of assets there are, add the numbers up, know the categorization, and then working with the attorney, have the attorney put into the document general language which will cover all of the situations because obviously somebody isn't going to die the next day right after they have their will usually, so it can be for years, but you do want to have the general Types of trusts, for example, let's say you want to have a credit shelter trust, a credit shelter trust is a trust that's going to capture all the assets that will allow the estate to pass tax free to the children. So you need to know what are the size of the assets, which assets are there, which ones can go there. Then you need to go ahead and make sure that that credit shelter trust will take care of the surviving spouse before it goes to the children, and then who has what powers over that credit shelter trust to take care of the surviving spouse. So all those features need to be very specifically written into the will. But by the same token, the assets themselves should not be specifically named in the will. But still, on the other hand, they need to be studied individually by the certified financial planner. So, Jerry, if you're out there listening, call me back and I'll see if I can clarify that. If not, you got the benefit of it right now.
1: No, Doug, uh, if if uh, a person or if a couple has a very large estate, uh, that may be a situation where they may have some consideration about setting up a revocable living trust.
0: The revocable living trust becomes crucial. Actually, our first caller this evening, Bella, at his age, he probably is a prime candidate for a revocable living trust because the revocable living trust itself deals with two situations. It deals with what happens during my lifetime if I become disabled or incapacitated, if I get a stroke. What happens to my stuff to take care of me, my investments? Uh, all of the things that take care of me while I'm alive but disabled. That's- you know, I
1: was talking to a client the other day, and, you know, that was that was uh, of a concern. Um, you know, when you get elderly, sometimes you fall down and you break a hip or you have a bout where you're just not doing well. And so who's going to take over? Well, that's where the successor trustee, in a revocable living trust can take care of your affairs. Was that right? the
0: client of ours that you went to yes, visit? Yes,
1: exactly. That
0: was a really tender case, Linda. Of course, we created for her a revocable living trust years ago. I don't know. She's been a client of ours for what, probably over 15 years. And lo and behold, she was very wise. She had it all done properly. And now when she is not doing very well, the the the, Relative. the relatives are able to step right in without missing a beat because they are the successor trustees and she, the client, is the first trustee and everything is in place and you can then go ahead and speak to the client and tell her, exactly. don't worry, it's all fine. Bills
1: are being paid and all the needs are being taken so, care so of. So
0: that's the first benefit of the revocable living trust, Linda. But then there is the question that you also let in with, what about at death? And at death, then everything can move into a credit shelter trust to allow the first $5 million to pass tax-free. If you do it wisely enough, you can let $10 million pass to your children without any estate taxes. So, yeah, the revocable living trust is a very powerful vehicle.
1: Yeah, and and going back to, to Bella, uh, it just seems that uh, to be able to to pass on the estate with ease. It sounds like that was part of his burden, right, Doug? Right. So you, if you're out there and you need some updating with your estate planning or if you need some uh, advice regarding your portfolio, pre-retirement planning, um, your investments, et cetera, give us a call at the office in Raleigh at Lewis Financial Management. Our number is 919 that's USA seven thousand. And if you'd like to call us this evening while we're on the air, you're listening to Money Matters on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Our numbers to call on the open lines are eight six zero WPTF. That's eight six zero nine seven eight three. Out of Towners, it is toll free at one eight hundred six six two seven nine seven nine. Well, Doug, here we are getting close to the last quarter of the year. And some folks are thinking about their RMDs. What are those?
0: I hope they're thinking about it. If they're not thinking about it, they could be facing a 50% tax penalty as a client who just came to us recently discovered I had happened to him. And the RMD that you're talking about is pertaining to people over 70 and a half years old. Now, RMD stands for?
1: Required. Minimum distribution.
0: Exactly.
1: From where?
0: From your IRA, from your 401k, from your pension plan, from any retirement plan other than a Roth IRA, you have an RMD, a required minimum distribution at age 70 and a half that must come out. Now, the problem is if you don't get out that minimum in this current year, you are pay- facing a 50% tax penalty, not 10% Ooh. as many people think if you're under 59 years old. That's the pre-59 10% penalty. But the RMD penalty for people 70 and a half or older is 50%. And the problem comes in that the RMD was suspended in 2009. So to give people a little bit of relief, the folks in during the year 2009, did not have to take money out of their IRAs, and therefore they didn't, many of them, because that meant liquidating some investments when they were down and so forth. Well, unfortunately, that did not continue in the year 2010, nor has it continued in 2011. And the sad case that the client who came to see us recently was, nobody ever told him that this Went back into effect in 2010, and so he didn't do it in 2010. He got a 50% tax penalty, and now here we are in 2011. So, yes, we hope all of our listeners who are 70 and a half are very concerned about the RMD, the required minimum distribution that has to come out of your IRA before year end, and it is a complicated formula. If you happen to have more than one IRA, many people, Linda, you know, think that you take the required minimum distribution, the RMA, from... RMD. I'm sorry. The, <laughs> thank you. Uh, many people think you take the RMD from your IRA, and if you have five IRAs, you take it from one of them or the other. That's not the way the IRS looks at it.
1: How do they look at it?
0: The I, The Internal Revenue Service doesn't care if you've got one IRA or 20 IRAs. They add them all up. And they put that as a numerator above uh, the line on a fraction. And then the bottom of that fraction is your age on an actuarial table. And that amount is what has to come out as your RMD. So you might not even – you might get notice from one of your IRA custodians that you're over 70 and a half, you better get your, your required minimum distribution out. But they may not know anything about other IRAs that you've got at other custodians. So it's very serious to make sure you're doing it right. I would say call our office if you have a question about your required minimum distributions, and we can look at all of them and make sure that you're going to not be hit with a penalty this year.
1: So, Doug, basically what happens is in your younger years, the government, Uncle Sam, allows you to... Put this money that you're making, a portion of your income, into some retirement plan where it's growing. You're accumulating. Tax-free. You're accumulating. You're deferring that tax over a period of time. But Uncle Sam puts the brakes on that scenario at the time that you become 70 and a half.
0: And now he says? Pay up. Gotcha. My time now. <laughs> many people think you got to take the whole thing out, and you don't. If you've got a 300000 or 400 or a half million dollar IRA that came maybe from a 401k as a rollover, many people think, well, gee, now I got to take the whole thing out because I'm over 70 and a half. No, you don't. No, you don't. You only have to take out a minimum, but that minimum must come out. So that's the story on last quarter of the year. Watch out for our MDs.
1: Well, Doug, let's take a call.
0: Barry, Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Well, I just had a question
2: about the philosophy of inclusive wrap fee funds versus more standardized mutual funds and what your position as a financial planner is on one versus the other.
0: Well, uh, and it's an interesting question. Generally, I won't take a philosophical call. But different professionals do it a different way. The thing that I feel is most important is that you find a financial planner who is doing financial planning. If you're just working with the world of investments and leaving out your estate issues, your income tax issues, your cash flow issues, your retirement issues, all of the other areas that a financial planner is trained to be working on, then you're really only running on two cylinders and you're cheating yourself and you shouldn't be dealing with a financial planner. And if you approach it that way, at least dealing with a real planner, you generally get more service and a more professional approach for less money than what you're going to get on a wrap fee arrangement at one of the brokerage firms. I know our fees are lower than the wrap fees that the brokerage firms charge, and we do the entire thing, the tax planning, the estate planning, the trust, the wills, the retirement planning, and everything – but it's a nice, easy way to make money with the wrap fees. There's no doubt about it. You don't have to do a thing. You just go ahead and the money just comes to you, and, and we see people that are doing that. I philosophically don't approve of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's what I was
1: asking. A, yeah, and people sometimes want a more comprehensive service, and that's what a planner that does it traditionally the way that Doug does it can find. Okay.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for calling, Thank Barry. You.
1: you know, Doug, the uh, bottom line is that uh, people need to find out what their money's doing for them, Right. I mean, get well, more money? for your money. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I really think it's the service. It's value-added service. It's If you're going to a surgeon, then you ought to know that you're going to a surgeon and not not find one type of doctor versus another type of doctor. If you're going for a financial planner and for financial planning, you should be getting financial planning, not just money management.
1: If you would like some more information on this, I'll be happy to either send you some information or discuss it with you further. And you can call me at the office. And the number is eight seven two seven thousand. It's that's the close. USA seven thousand, and I'll be happy to do what I can to answer your questions.
0: Well, that's all the money matters we have.
1: Well, Doug, before we, we close the show today, there was an interesting article about five mistakes that boomers should avoid. Can you review those for our listeners very quickly?
0: Yeah, I think many of our listeners are retirement or retirees and, you know, managing your money is never easy, but when you're ready to quit and become retired, turning to your golden years, you want to make sure you don't turn them into brass. And so the first thing is, don't think that owning different mutual funds means you're diversified.
1: And, uh,
0: you know what I mean? In other words, just the fact that you've got a whole bunch of mutual funds doesn't mean that you are Diversified, it's very possible that you could be having the same mutual fund two or three or four times. So you really want to uh, avoid what's called phantom diversification, where one investor just has a whole duplicate set of the same stocks in every fund and so forth. All right. Uh, I think one of the financial planners that I respect said, check under the hood. You know, even if you bought different mutual funds, look to make sure what they're owning. So that's the first thing to avoid.
1: And the second thing is don't be afraid of looking across the pond for investments.
0: And that's true, Lynn. It always amazes me that people are very comfortable buying consumer products from all over the globe, but then they have this innate fear of investing globally. If you're buying things made in China and Singapore, why not put some of your investment dollars there with the growth potential? So there's nothing wrong with... Overseas or international funds. I happen to like the ones that we talked about at the beginning of the show today, the growth in income funds that have high dividends.
1: And thirdly, don't jump on the bandwagon of what's popular.
0: Boy, that's really a good mistake to beware of. Uh, everybody is just looking at what's popular, what's popular, what's popular. But on the other hand, back in 1999, the tech bubble was super popular and then came the real estate bubble and just following the most popular investments of the day is a good recipe for disaster.
1: Fourth, don't chase returns instead of planning for income.
0: You know, Lynn, when it comes to investing pre-retirement, the biggest concern by far is longevity risk. Risk, But the worst thing can happen to a retiree is that they then outlive their funds because they didn't plan accordingly. So when you're retired You need to be sure that you have the ability to be as bold as you once were because the money you were investing, you now need to use to pay bills.
1: And fifth, don't confuse your CPA with a tax planner.
0: That's right. A lot of people think that a CPA is a financial planner, a planner. But no, certified public accountants, they don't specialize in tax planning. They just account for what you've done after you've done it. You need to see a certified financial planner, a CFP, who will then do tax planning and then work in tandem with your CPA. So uh, I think those are the big five no-nos to watch out for. They're the big mistakes that boomers are making as they're approaching retirement.
1: Well, thanks for joining us. Have a great week. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug and Linda in Raleigh at 872-7000. That's USA 7000. Listen again next Sunday at 6.05 for Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on 680-WPTF.